It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Those of you who are pro-life, just as the Biden administration is threatening parents, threatening parents who go to school board meetings, pictures can be taken of you, recordings can be made of you, uh, notes can be taken of what you say, and then they can report you on the domestic terrorist hotline because Merrick Garland, Joe Biden's attorney general at the Department of Injustice, has not withdrawn his memorandum. You can have the FBI contacting you. And so we have in the Biden administration a Stasi-like effort to threaten people, to threaten people, to intimidate people. And that's what's going on in this country now. That's what's going on with the protesters on January 6th. I'm not talking about those who broke into the Capitol building forcibly or harmed somebody. I'm talking about those who paraded and trespassed, quote-unquote, or those who went into the Capitol building, were waved in by police, many of whom walked in, weren't waved in by police, but did no violence whatsoever. They're doing two months, three months in federal prison. Now, we all know that's a crock of you-know-what. And then, of course, the war on the former president, as there was a war on the then-president, as there was a war on the then-presidential candidate, Donald Trump. We've never seen anything like this in American history, and it's not because Donald Trump is corrupt or Donald Trump is uh, operating in ways that are very troublesome for our national security. You must ignore Bill Barr. You must ignore the former federal prosecutors. You must ignore all of them because they're blind. We've had former presidents who've done some nasty, nasty things. Nasty things. But the Justice Department wouldn't have given a second thought, not a second thought, to doing to them what they've done to Donald Trump, who hasn't done any nasty things at all. And I would ask Bill Barr right on this program, right now, he's listening, he can call in, did you ever take classified information home? And even bring it back the next day. Did you ever read classified information in the vehicle in which your driver was taking you to one place or another? If so, you violated federal law. You committed a felony, and I'd like to know if you ever did that. Just curious. Are any of you former federal prosecutors? Just curious. Are the current Attorney General, Meritless Garland, But you hear more and more about the use of SWAT teams, either FBI SWAT teams or SWAT teams operating on behalf of the FBI. Who's ever seen SWAT teams used against former administration officials, as they were, against Paul Manafort? Or political operatives like Roger Stone? Why would you use SWAT teams? Or SWAT teams against electricians or plumbers or vets who didn't commit acts of violence on January 6th. And now we have a SWAT team that was used against a Catholic pro-life speaker. And this has been in some news platforms. Town Hall has it. Sarah Arnold, a Catholic pro-life speaker, was raided by the FBI for an alleged face act violation while his seven kids watched in terror. According to the warrant, Mark Halk was charged with violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, the FACE Act, due to a claimed, quote, attack of a patient escort, unquote. The case, which was previously thrown out, thrown out of the district court in Philadelphia, was mysteriously picked up by woke Attorney General Merrick Garland. That means his civil rights and criminal divisions are behind this, ladies and gentlemen. His wife, 
Ryan Marie told LifeSite News that a SWAT team of about 25 to 30 FBI agents in 15 vehicles swarmed their house at 7 in the morning, surrounding the property with armed rifles. They started pounding on the door and yelling for us to open it, Houck's wife said, adding that her husband was trying to calm down their children before opening the door. They have seven children, seven little kids. Please, I'm going to open the door, but please, my children are in the home. I have seven babies in the house, but they just kept pounding and screaming. Ryan Marie explained, adding, they had big, huge rifles pointed at Mark, her husband, and pointed at me, and kind of pointed throughout the house. When asked to see the warrant, the FBI told the family that they were going to take Halk away, whether they had a warrant or not. But when Ryan Marie accused the federal agents of kidnapping her husband without a warrant, they agreed to show it to them. You can't just come to a person's house and kidnap gunpoint, she said before being handed the document. The 48-year-old Mark is being accused of assaulting a man twice. It was a volunteer reproductive health clinic escort. His wife said that a pro-abortion activist would tell her 12-year-old son that you're a dad's fag and other crude and inappropriate things when Halk would take him to sidewalk counsel. When her husband confronted the man who kept going in his personal space and saying these things to her son, Halk shoved the protester away from his son, making him fall backwards. He didn't have any injuries or anything, but he tried to sue Mark, she said which such case just got thrown out. So a federal court threw out the case. In the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C., took it up as a criminal matter. He didn't have any injuries or anything, but he tried to sue Mark, she said, which such case just got thrown out. If convicted, Halk faces up to 11 years in prison, Three years of supervised release and fines of up to $350,000. The FBI and the Department of Justice are being characterized as a political, as political weaponization of federal agencies. And they reportedly stormed the homes of pro-lifers, Trump supporters, and conservatives. So here you have a guy who's not provoking anything. He's not intimidating anybody he's exercising his first amendment right in front of this clinic and a guy they confront him two separate occasions is saying these outrageous things to his son and to him and then gets in his face so mark halk pushes him away the guy falls down and now the federal Department of Justice and the FBI are involved, and they sent a SWAT team to arrest him. A SWAT team to arrest him. Now, his lawyer has come out and said there was no need to send a SWAT team to arrest him. We had already volunteered. We had already volunteered to bring him in. This is the FBI under Christopher Ray who has to go. He is a complete schmuck. He is a disaster. He needs to be fired should we take over the White House one day. I don't give a damn what his tenure is statutorily. He needs to be fired because he is what he is. And that place needs to be cleaned out. It needs to be fumigated. There's way too many left-wing cockroaches there. Too many. Lawyer for pro-life protester, National Review, arrested by FBI, says client offered to surrender. Claims DOJ trying to imitate, intimidate people of faith. The lawyer representing him said his client is innocent. Accused the Department of Justice of targeting him solely to intimidate people of faith and pro-life Americans. Rather than accepting Mark Hawk's offer to appear voluntarily, the Biden Department of Justice chose to make an unnecessary show of potentially deadly force, 
sending 20 or so heavily armed federal agents to his residence at dawn this past Friday, said the attorney representing Thomas More Society Vice President, Senior Counsel Peter Breen. That's a great group. In threatening form, after nearly breaking down the family's door, at least five agents pointing guns at his head and arrested him in front of his wife and seven young children who were terrified that their husband and father would be shot dead before their eyes. A spokesman for the FBI Philadelphia field office told Fox News that no SWAT operators were used in Halk's arrest and denied that agents pointed their guns at Halker's family members, though he conceded that their weapons were drawn when they knocked on Halk's door. That's BS. I'm so sick of this. He was arrested in front of his screaming children for alleged violations of the FACE Act, preventing the interference with anyone trying to access an abortion clinic. Access an abortion clinic? I would argue, my wife mentioned this to me, that this FACE Act probably doesn't even apply. You're talking about a volunteer who's escorting women to this abortion clinic. Apparently it was the volunteer who was provocative on at least two occasions. The volunteer is a guy. Is he getting an abortion? So there is at least some question in my view, certainly, whether this federal law even applies. The Department of Justice issued a press release that D.L., that's how they identified him, was a volunteer escort at the Reproductive Health Care Clinic. Now, that doesn't sound like somebody who's covered by the FACE Act, ladies and gentlemen. Josh Hawley wants to get to the bottom of it. Good for him. He sent uh, a letter to the Attorney General, gave him 10 days to reply. Good luck with that. And uh, how many charges has your department brought against pro-abortion extremists who have attacked pregnancy resource centers, churches, and pro-life Americans? Asked Hawley. The answer is zero. Zero. The graffiti, the firebombing, the attacking, zero. It's like how many... How many federal cases of hate crimes have been brought against the people who've been attacking Orthodox and Hasidic Jews in Brooklyn? One. One. How many cases have been brought against radicals who've been protesting at the homes and, and uh, vacation locations of Supreme Court justices? None. Not one. And how many cases have been brought against January 6th protesters? Over 900. How many cases were brought against former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton for destroying over 30,000 emails? Sounds like 30,000 cases of obstruction to me. None. How many cases were brought about her having classified information in her home? None. She's not even a former president. There's no question that she's not protected. None. And don't you love it when all these legal analysts on TV, these former this, that, and nobodies, or clowns like Dan Abrams with his idiot sight, mediaite, and then he is with that squirrel glued to his head on these various shows on A&E, I think it is. I really think Donald Trump's going to get indicted now. Why do we care what you think? They all want him to be indicted, so they all think he'll be indicted because they all know that the bigger the media pressure, the bigger the pressure on Garland. Sick. Mark Levin. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door 
in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Now let's go through a little bit of history, America, that the media will not discuss, that the phony former this and that will not discuss, but I will, involving each of the recent presidents. This is from Just the News. Old case over audio tapes in Bill Clinton's sock drawer could impact Mar-a-Lago's search dispute. This is from August 17th. When it comes to the National Archives, history is a funny way of repeating itself, and legal experts say a decade-old case over audio types that Bill Clinton once kept in his sock drawer may have significant impact over the FBI search of Melania Trump's closet in Donald Trump's personal office. The case in question is titled Judicial Watch versus National Archives and Records Administration, and it involved an effort by the conservative watchdog to compel the archives to forcibly seize hours of audio recordings that Clinton made during his presidency with historian Taylor Branch. For pop culture, the case is most memorable for the revelation that the 42nd president for a time stored the audio tapes in his sock drawer at the White House. The tapes became the focal point of a 2009 book that Branch wrote. U.S. District Judge Amy Berman Jackson, she's a hardcore Obama leftist. The worst. Did I say the worst? The worst. Ultimately rejected Judicial Watch's suit by concluding there was no provision. No provision in the Presidential Records Act to force the National Archives to seize records from a former president. But Jackson's ruling, along with the Justice Department's argument that preceded it, made some other sweeping declarations that are more direct relevance to the FBI's decision to seize handwritten notes and files Trump took with him to Mar-a-Lago. The most relevant is that a president's discretion on what are personal versus official records is far-reaching and solely his, as is his ability to declassify or destroy records at will. Quote, the judge wrote in March 2012, under the statutory scheme established by the Presidential Records Act, the decision to segregate personal materials from presidential records is made by the president during the president's term and in his sole discretion. Hello! And it was never appealed. Since the president is completely entrusted with the management and even the disposal of presidential records during his time in office, be difficult for this court to conclude that Congress intended that he would have less authority to do what he pleases with what he considers to be his personal records, she said, the judge. She also noted a president could destroy any record he wanted during his tenure, and his only responsibility was to inform the archives. As to whether the records a president concluded were personal can be forcibly seized after he leaves office, the court concluded it was unreasonable to force Nara to go get the tapes. Quote, because the audio tapes are not physically in the government's possession, defendant submits that it would be required to seize them directly from President Clinton in order to assume custody and control over them. The judge said defendant considers this to be an extraordinary request that is unfounded, contrary to the Presidential Records Act expressed terms and contrary to the traditional principles of administrative law. The court agrees. The defendant was the same Justice Department that authorized the raid on Trump's estate, Mr. Producer. Did you know that? 
Now, what about George W. Bush? This is from September 2016. Newsweek, and we know Newsweek always tells the truth. George W. Bush's White House lost 22 million emails by Nina Burley. I hope my friend uh, Rove is listening. For 18 months, Republican strategists, political pundits, reporters, and Americans who follow them have been pursuing Hillary Clinton's personal email habits, and no evidence of a crime has been found. But now they at least have the skills and interests to focus on a much larger and deeper email conspiracy, one involving war, lies, and private server run by the Republican Party, and contempt of Congress citations, all of it still unresolved and unpunished. Written by Nina Burley. Clinton's email habits look positively transparent, she writes, when compared with the subpoena-dodging, email-hiding, private-server-using George W. Bush administration. Between 2003 and 2009, the Bush White House, quote, lost 22 million emails. This correspondence included millions of emails written during the darkest period in America's recent history. When the Bush administration was ginning up support, Remember, she's a leftist for what turned out to be a disastrous war in Iraq with false claims that the country possessed weapons of mass destruction. Like Clinton, the Bush White House used a private email server. It was owned by the Republican National Committee and the Bush administration failed to store its emails as required by law and then refused to comply with a congressional subpoena seeking some of those emails. Uh, Let's see here. Most troubling Researchers found a a suspicious pattern in the White House email system blackouts, including periods when there were no emails available from the office of Vice President Dick Cheney. Hello? At the Vice President's office, wildly characterized as the most powerful vice president in history, should have no archived emails, none, in its account for scores of days especially days when they were in discussion of whether to invade Iraq, beggared the imagination, says Thomas Blanton, director of the Washington-based National Security Archives, not to be confused with the agency. The media paid some attention to the Bush email chicanery, but spent considerably less ink and airtime than has been devoted to Clinton's digital communications in the past 18 months. According to the Boston social media analytics firm Crimson Hexagon, we're trying to study for Newsweek, there have been 560,000 articles mentioning Clinton's emails between March and September. Really, there should have been 10 million. But what do you think? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> so when you see all these bushy Republicans running on TV, yeah, that's right, I'm a former, you know, whatever, nose picker in the Department of Antitrust. Oh, yes. My goodness, Mr. Producer, what do you think of that? Want to hear another one? Obama, who never had a scandal. Remember him? Historycoalition.org. On December 14th, This goes back to 2009. The National Security Archive and Citizens for Responsibility in Ethics in Washington, this is a left-wing group, reached a settlement with the Obama administration of their long-running lawsuits challenging the failure of the Bush administration and the National Archives and Record Administration, the archives, to take any action if they're confronted with evidence that millions of emails had gone missing from the Bush White House servers over a -a two-and-a-half-year period, an estimated 22 million. Wow. In April 2007, Crew released a report based on information from two confidential sources detailing loss of more than 5 million White House emails generated between March 2003 and October 2005. The archive originally filed its case September 2007, seeking the recovery. We just talked about that. A subsequent lawsuit was filed by this group. Now, Under the terms of the settlement, the Obama administration agreed that the executive office of the president will restore a total of 94 days of missing emails, which will then be sent to the archives for preservation and eventual access under either the Presidential Records Act or Federal Records Act. Wow. To date, the Obama administration has produced thousands of pages of documents relating to these issues. 
Finally, we'll be providing a publicly releasable description of them. Isn't that amazing, Mr. Producer? How come George Bush's home wasn't subjected to activity after he left? Well, Mark, this occurred while he was president. Well, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. And here's one more. May I? Many of you may have been actually doing something else over the weekend, so you may have missed this. September 22, the first day of fall. Letters reveal Obama Foundation is keeping classified documents in an abandoned furniture warehouse. The Obama Foundation stored classified documents in an abandoned furniture warehouse, according to a 2018 letter from the Obama Foundation to the archives. The letter, available on the Obama Foundation website, dated September 11, 2018, reveals that the Obama Foundation not only acknowledged possessing classified documents, but also admitted that they kept them in a facility that did not meet the archive standards for the storage of those documents. Wow! And were the warrants served? No. Did the FBI show up? No. Was Bill Barr uh, commenting on this? No. Here's what it says in part. The letter. The letter. The Obama Foundation agrees to transfer up to 3,300,000, that's dollars, to the National Archives Trust, that's the archives, to support the move of classified and unclassified Obama presidential records and artifacts from Hoffman Estates to archives-controlled facilities that conform to the agency's archival storage standards for such records and artifacts. This is written by Matt Margolis, one of the best. So media reports confirm that the Obama Foundation had rented space from Hoffman Estates to store these documents and extended their original lease for four years, four more years, rather, back in August. Well, no firm date has been announced for the completion and opening of the Barack Obama Presidential Library near the University of Chicago. Its future contents will stay in the Hoffman Estates for four more years, the Daily Herald reported. Village board members unanimously approved an extension to the special use permit that enables landlord Hoffman Estates Medical Development to lease the 74,200-square-foot former Plunkett Furniture Store to the National Archives through December 31, 2016. Well, the Plunkett Furniture Store, subsequently the Hoffman Estates Medical Development Building, and now remains the Hoffman Estates Medical Development Building with classified information. That's 74,200 square feet. This means that as the debate over the supposedly classified documents at Mar-a-Lago is unfolding, right now, the Obama Foundation is at this very moment storing classified documents in unused retail space in the suburbs of Chicago. While the storage of these documents appears to be with the full knowledge and coordination of the archives, it still raises significant questions, not just concerning the raid of Mar-a-Lago, but also surrounding the legal actions being taken by Biden administration against Trump over the storage of his documents. Now, Mar-a-Lago is a Secret Service-protected building. Secret Service is armed. You can't get through that front gate. I've gone to Mar-a-Lago. There's a man standing there with a rifle. When you get into the interior Mar-a-Lago, there are other men or women who are armed as well. Seems to me that that's a much better storage facility than the former furniture warehouse that the archives agreed to. This whole thing is BS. The whole damn thing is crap. And this barely touches the surface. How many attorneys general have abused this authority? Huh? How many secretaries of state? How many of them? I'll bet all of them. I'll bet all of them. 
Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. In many ways, the Federal Bureau of Investigation under the Department of Justice has become a form of Democrat Party Stasi. I say that with tremendous regret, having spent several years working at the Department of Justice in the Reagan administration, working very closely with two former directors of the FBI, and having many friends there, all of whom are retired now. But this is a different FBI. Those men would have stood up to what they're being forced to do, what they're being told to do, and apparently what they like to do. You see what they've done to the ex-president? And they're still doing it. You see what they've done to men and women who showed up at the rally on January 6th on the Capitol property? I'm talking about those who were not violent and didn't break a damn thing. Yet you've also seen how they've covered up for Joe and Hunter Biden. You see how they go after parents. You see their politicization. And we talked the other day about what they were doing to a a gentleman, a pro-life activist, a practicing Catholic. And there's more information to report to you this evening. As a reminder, we'll go to the Daily Signal, our friend Hans von Spakovsky, the Heritage Foundation. In an early morning raid Friday in Kintersville, Pennsylvania, <coughs> excuse me, about two dozen FBI agents with weapons drawn pounded on the door of Mark Halk's home, where he lives with his wife and seven children. The FBI agents arrested Halk based on a federal indictment. Sounds serious, right? Is Halk a domestic terrorist, an American jihadist, a dangerous militia member, a violent felon, or someone with a prior history of violence toward law enforcement who would require such an overwhelming show of force? Not even close. Halk is a pro-life activist and president of the King's Men, a Catholic ministry. He's no prior criminal record. And he was arrested Friday morning for an alleged violation of the Federal Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, known as the FACE Act, as we've discussed. Again, sound potentially serious, doesn't it? But given that the Obama-Biden administration's prior abuse of the FACE Act, as well as what we know already about the facts here, we have serious reasons to doubt that this is a legitimate case and prudent use of federal law enforcement resources. More likely, it's a politically motivated abuse of federal law by both the FBI and the Justice Department. It's not a coincidence, we suspect, that this takedown of someone who at best committed a misdemeanor assault, at best, came almost exactly three months after the Supreme Court issued its decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which overruled Roe v. Wade and abortion on demand in America. The FBI's raid of Halk's home was designed to send a warning to pro-life activists engaging in activities protected by the First Amendment, the Bill of Rights of the Constitution. The FACE Act, 18 U.S.C. Section 248, forbids physically obstructing, (coughs) injuring, intimidating, or interfering with anyone, quote, obtaining or providing reproductive health services. But Congress specified that the FACE Act doesn't, quote, prohibit any expressive conduct, including peaceful picketing or other peaceful demonstration, protected from legal prohibitions by the First Amendment to the Constitution, including the free speech or free exercise clauses occurring outside a facility. Now, Mr. Halk apparently would regularly drive two hours from his home to a Planned Parenthood clinic in Philadelphia to pray and speak outside the facility, often taking his 12-year-old son with him. The federal indictment claims that almost a year ago, (coughs) Halk verbally confronted and shoved an escort for an abortion patient, quote, to the ground, and, quote, intentionally injured, intimidated, and interfered with the escort. 
What the indictment fails to mention, say Hauk's wife and a family spokesman, is that on multiple occasions this pro-abortion escort said crude, inappropriate, and disgusting things to the Hauks, such as, your dad's a fag, and other vulgar uh, slurs. This wasn't in the U.S. Department of Justice press release that my wife and I read 48 hours ago. How kept telling the escort to stop harassing his son. But the escort refused to stop, and when the foul-mouthed Bulgarian got too close to his son, Hal protected him by shoving the escort away. The escort fell down, but according to Hal's family, the only injury he suffered required a Band-Aid on his finger. The incident occurred October 21, 2021. The assault claim against Hal is so weak that not only did Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner, a Soros-backed rogue prosecutor, refuse to file any misdemeanor charges against Hal, but the family says a civil lawsuit filed by the escort was thrown out of court. So the DA, who's a radical kook Sorosite, wouldn't bring criminal charges, and the civil case, the civil case that was brought against Mr. Halk was thrown out by a federal judge. Now almost a year later, the FBI shows up at Halk's home in force, and the Justice Department charges him with two felonies, for an injury that required a Band-Aid. His conviction could result, according to the Justice Department, in a maximum penalty of, quote, 11 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and fines of up to $350,000. Of course, this is a working man who's got seven little kids and a wife. No doubt Hauk's defense attorney will explore any and all defenses, starting with whether the man shoved by Hauk even falls within the obtaining or providing requirement of the federal statute. You'll recall last evening, I said, and my wife had pointed this out, that this statute doesn't even apply. Because the so-called volunteer escorting the, I'll call her, the victim into the abortion clinic, he wasn't getting or he wasn't obtaining or providing an abortion. It, it, it also may be a clear case of self-defense since Hawk apparently was defending his 12-year-old son from an adult who was harassing and intimidating a minor. Now, the fact is, the Justice Department, under Democratic administrations, has a history of misusing this law of the FACE Act to go after abortion opponents. In 2012, for example, a federal judge in Florida tossed out a FACE Act indictment against Mary Susan Pine a pro-life activist who'd been conducting peaceful sidewalk counseling outside an abortion clinic for years. The judge excoriated the Justice Department for the behavior of its lawyers, saying that the indictment seemed to be, quote, the product of a concerted effort between the government and the abortion clinic to quell Ms. Pine's activities rather than to enforce the statute. Now, we've seen this kind of collusion by Meritless Garland and his thugs before with the National school boards association against parents out there who dared to protest at school board meetings. The timing of this indictment of Halk also a suspect and calls into question the motive behind the Justice Department's move. If this situation played out the way the Justice Department claims, even viewed in the light, most favorable to the government, at best, two minor incidents of misdemeanor assault. Not two felonies. It's significant that local authorities, including the Philadelphia District Attorney, decided not to file charges against Houck. It means that for whatever reason, they didn't even think Houck's conduct warranted a misdemeanor assault charge, much less the two felony charges he now faces, two federal felony charges. Most likely, the local authorities didn't file charges upon examining the facts. It was, at best, a case of mutual combat in which two adults got out of hand and ended up in a minor scuffle. In such cases, typically neither party is charged and the case goes away. If this was such an important violation of the FACE Act, what took the Justice Department 337 days to indict Halk? This is the simplest of simple factual cases. Halk either pushed the escort twice, unprovoked, or he didn't. Perhaps the more important number is 91 That's how many days he lapped between the day 
the Supreme Court issued its decision in the Dobbs case and Halk's indictment. Or maybe it's 49, the number of days between Halk's indictment and the midterm elections. And why did the Justice Department decide to send armed FBI agents to Halk's house in a show of force? Halk has no criminal record. He's a man of deep faith. He's the father of seven children. He's no threat whatsoever. Contrast this prosecution with the fact that vandals physically have attacked and damaged roughly 70 pro-life pregnancy centers which also are protected under the FACE Act's definition of a facility that, quote, provides reproductive health services, unquote. So why hasn't the Department of Justice filed a single FACE Act indictment against anyone for those crimes? Real crimes. Real felonies. Why not? Clearly, the leadership of the FBI and the Justice Department should be asked these and other important questions surrounding this case as well as their lack of action against real threats. They should be asked about the propaganda that they push out under the Department of Justice letterhead in their press releases that leave out facts that they give to the media, the American Pravda media, from the Democrat Stasi, formerly known as the FBI. Shocking, and it's disgusting. Mark... Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Bloomberg, hunger is spreading among Americans. With steady but low-paying jobs, reversing President Joe Biden's early success, they write, in cutting food scarcity by nearly a third and threatening to worsen as the country teeters on the brink of recession. Nursing aides, maintenance workers, store clerks, and roofers are among the Americans already turning to food banks for help. The consequence of political opposition to the administration's effort to extend temporary pandemic benefits and a spike in inflation that has been especially hard on families near the precipice of poverty. So we're not spending enough money? Isn't that what caused all this in the first place? You know, folks, the economy was bustling. It was about to break out, started to break out. We had the lowest unemployment rates for every sector of our economy. And then the Democrats come in, and they spend like drunken Marxists. They make all kinds of promises. And now we have a significant number of our people who can't eat. And that's because we don't have more benefits? The situation threatens to worsen as the Federal Reserve raises interest rates. And why are they raising interest rates? Because the Democrats keep spending. And the economy slows, with private forecasters now predicting a 50% chance of recession over the next 12 months. We're in a recession, you idiots. This is the economic backdrop for Biden's high-profile White House event Wednesday, committing the nation to ending hunger by 2030. What is this, a joke, this news article? Biden gives a speech committing the nation to ending hunger by 2030? We're going to end fossil fuels by 2035? We're going to end cancer by 2032? Why, because he says so? Mary McManus, a 44-year-old discount store cashier who lives outside Scranton in a small town, Jessup, Pennsylvania. I've been to Jessup. Said she's been kept awake at night choosing between making utility payments, buying gas for the car, and purchasing groceries. Welcome to Biden's America, ma'am. She and her husband, a tree trimmer, fell behind on utility payments this year after they stopped receiving monthly child tax credit payments. That expired in December. Inflation swelled the cost of household essentials, she said. Well, it's interesting how this article doesn't explain how much money's gone to left-wing groups, how much money's gone to relatively wealthy college graduate students, how much money has gone to 
subsidize massive corporations that promise to build solar and so forth. How much money has been redistributed to those types of people and worse? Isn't it interesting she doesn't talk about that in this article? I don't mean the lady, I mean the, the writer. People like McManus and her family will be among the most vulnerable if the economy tips into recession, said Alex Gouldworth, Director of Family Economic Security Policy at the Washington Center for Equitable Growth. See who the media go to? The whole thing about equitable growth is the problem. You just need growth. That's what you need. So Biden is gathering anti-hunger advocates, state and local officials, and food company representatives for a White House conference on hunger. Biden said he was committed to taking bold steps that are going to help end hunger and will lay out a plan to achieve the goal. How much you want to bet it involves spending an enormous amount of money with, a, with more Washington programs. How much you want to bet? How much you want to bet it includes increasing the minimum wage, which means so many people will never get jobs if you increase the minimum wage any further. How much you want to bet? There's more of the same crap. And then they say this. In office, he acted quickly as $1.9 trillion COVID relief package stimulated the economy, bolstered the middle class, and temporarily strengthened safety net programs for the poor. Is this news or is this a cheerleading propaganda piece? That $1.9 trillion is what's caused all this problem, a quarter of a billion of which is bouncing around all over the place. People don't even know where it is. Hunger in America plunged, they say, at the start of the Biden's term. I can't even read this anymore. I can't even read it. This is Bloomberg. We have more people who are hungry today, and they act like Biden isn't even president today. Because all the massive spending has ended. First of all, the massive spending has not ended. It goes on and on and on. Nearly 70% of Americans are looking for extra work to combat inflation. This is from CNBC. Jennifer Liu. A few months ago, Mike Petrie noticed an alarming pattern. His bank account would get uncomfortably low on the weekends before he'd get his paycheck paid bi-weekly on Wednesdays, despite no changes to their daily habits. Bills for him and his family of five skyrocketed. A $120 weekly grossly bill ballooned to $200. A $50 gas tank refill doubled to nearly $100 per top to top off, and that's it. A couple of times we've had to put our groceries on a Discover card to make sure we had food for the week, he said. He's 45. He lives in Louisville, Kentucky. Works for a credit card processor. He's noticed other essential costs like utility bills have gone up in the last year, too. He says he and his wife, who works as an activities director at a nursing home, make decent money. Used to be able to cover all their needs comfortably just months ago. But with skyrocketing inflation, which rose to 8.3% year-over-year in August, that's no longer the case. Starting this week, Petrie will work his full-time job during the week as a part-time cashier at Lowe's on the weekends. Petrie's just one of many Americans responding to inflation by working extra hours, applying to second jobs, and finding gig work to make ends meet. Cutting costs just isn't enough. Nearly 70% of Americans... 70% of Americans are looking for extra work to combat inflation, according to more than 1,000 full-time workers, part-time workers, and unemployed workers surveyed by Blue Crew, a workforce as a service platform. Already 85% of Americans said they've changed their spending habits due to inflation. 72% said it's impacted the way they view their job. 57% have sought out new or additional roles in the past year. Rapid inflation is forcing people to look at not only how they're spending their money, but also how they're earning their money. Many cases, those looking for work already logged 40 hours during the week and are picking up extra shifts or gig work on nights and weekends. Others taking an additional work include people who hold hourly jobs and want more hours with another company or parents who have caregiving needs during the week and need to work weekends while a partner or family member can provide care. 
high inflation and economic concerns could already be driving a rebound in labor force participation rates and so forth. So Biden brags about all the people working. What he doesn't explain is why all the people are having to do more than one job or multiple jobs. That he doesn't explain. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want more of this, then vote Democrat. If you want more of this, vote Democrat. We didn't have this two years ago. We didn't have it two years ago. This is really a disgrace. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. Joy Reid is on MSNBC, as you know, and I've said now for quite a number of months that she needs to be yanked off at television. She's a bigot. I believe she's an anti-Semite. She's a homophobe of long standing. I have no idea why Comcast would promote her to a primetime slot. This is what her social media showed. And now she just attacks, attacks, attacks anything white, anything Republican. I mean, seriously, folks. People don't deserve this kind of treatment. They don't deserve to be called names. They don't deserve to be abused this way. I don't care what your skin pigmentation, what your background. Many people in this country are interracial. This is a woman who lacks humanity. And so do her guests. I want you to listen to this. It's short. From last night on MSNBC. Cut 16, go. And, to, and be careful about attacking people who have to move to save their own lives and safety because you never know when it's your people that have to move, when it's your people who have to migrate, when it's your people who have to get on that road. Um, so just, just, just a thought. So what she's getting at there is the citizens in Florida who are having to get out of the way of a hurricane out of the way of a once in a 500 year disaster, as the governor put it, are the same as illegal aliens coming across the border. Just a thought. So she's comparing Florida evacuees to migrants. Honestly, folks, I, I, some days I don't know what else to say. The borders are wide open. People who want to come in are coming in from all over the world, not just Central and South America. They're coming in from over a hundred countries. They pay nothing. They have no obligation. They just roam into the country. They're getting voting rights in certain cities. They're getting identification in certain states. They have a right to go to public school according to a Supreme Court decision in the 1980s. They have a right to emergency health care of the sort they never received when they were back in their home countries. All kinds of localities and states and the federal government confer benefits on them. We complain about it as we should. As we should. But there's nothing we can do about it as citizens unless we vote to change the people who rule over us, the ruling class. And yet here we have Joy Reid on MSNBC. They just lambaste us and lambaste us and lambaste us. What are we supposed to do? What is it that we are doing that's so horrible? It's just incredible. So we're bad people for doing nothing. The truth is the level of racism in this country is minuscule. Minuscule. Certainly compared to other countries and cultures and societies where they're literally slaughtering each other. Literally. And of course, the Democrat Party and the media and the Joy Reid types, they are constantly trying to create civil war scenarios in this country. Constantly prodding people to be angry. 
prodding people to be bigots. It's nonstop. And I talked about this the first hour of last night's show. About we, the American people, we, the red-blooded Yankees in this country. Regardless of background and race, how long we've been here or whatever. What a fantastic and diverse people we are. But you wouldn't know that when you watch the propagandists on these media platforms. You wouldn't know it. And so here we are. You people who are fleeing, now you understand illegal immigration and you need to get behind it. This is always the story. This is always the way it works. We have a mass shooting. Well, you people with guns, now you know. You people with homes on the coast, now you know about climate change. You people who had to leave for your safety, now you know about immigration. You people who need the police and firefighters, now you know about socialism. This is what they do. Of course, they're moronic. They're buffoons. But it doesn't matter. These people are zealots. They're fanatics for their cause. For the religion of government. They are fanatics. And nothing can intervene. And the inhumanity of their views, the inhumanity, is without limits. It is without limits. Whether it's abortion on demand, whether it's murder in the streets, oh, why are they covering that so much? New York Times, it has a racist, a racist tinge to it. Whether it's inflation, they pretend inflation doesn't even exist. Whether it's a recession, we're in a recession, they pretend that doesn't exist. Gasoline prices, well, we need them to go up in order, you know, to get to the promised land of, uh, of wind energy. They pretend they care about the people. They don't care about the people. They do not care about you. Here's Joe Biden today. Again, man was in the Senate 36 years. Vice president eight years. Now all of a sudden he's concerned about climate change. Did he ever do a thing about so-called climate change while he was in the Senate for 36 years? I looked. Not one thing. But now all of a sudden, we have to change everything, move heaven and earth. Because climate change means America change. Means your life change. Means the economy change. Cut to go. Our commitment to tackling the climate crisis, which threatens all of us, we're seeing the consequences of climate change around the world uh, very vividly, including in the United States right now. Now, we're seeing natural disasters around the world, including in the United States. And I don't know of any time in world history or American history which we haven't seen cycles of natural disasters. We can legislate till we're blue in the face. We can regulate till we're blue in the face. We can redistribute till we're blue in the face. We can tax till we're blue in the face. We can pontificate till we're blue in the face. Not one damn bit of it would change this hurricane or a hurricane next year or a hurricane in 10 years. Not one damn bit of it will change the rise of the oceans or the receding of the oceans. None of it. Not one damn bit of it will determine if the earth gets hotter or the earth gets cooler. None of it. Now, we want to breathe fresh air and we want to drink clean water. That we can do something about. But climate change, you can't. You can't. I don't care what Sarah Rump has to say over there, Mediate, being the expert she is. Carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. And here we are, worried about carbon dioxide. But the, the ball keeps moving, have you noticed? They don't really talk about carbon dioxide that much anymore. 
Now it's not lower carbon dioxide, it's get rid of fossil fuels. Get rid of them. The degrowth movement. The war on prosperity. The war on capitalism. Anybody who has a different idea, different thought, a different view, that wants to challenge and confront this ideology, they are stripped of their expertise. They are stripped of their voice, whether it's online or anywhere else. They are abused as deniers, as flat earthers. Because these people cannot defend their positions. And you'll notice, most of the people who keep talking about climate change are politicians. You're not hearing from all the experts, so-called. Experts, quote-unquote, for. Experts, quote-unquote, against. Experts who are befuddled. You're not hearing from them, are you? No, you're hearing from Chuck Todd. You're hearing from Joy Reid. You're hearing from Democrat politicians and some rhinos. You're not hearing from experts. One way or the other. You're not hearing from real scientists one way or the other. It's the same thing with the virus. You only heard from government, bureaucrats, other experts from Stanford and Oxford, from Yale, from Rockefeller College, from wherever. The only way you would hear them is if I brought them on or others brought them on, but they were not going to be part of the the media contribution to the debate. They certainly weren't going to get any opportunities to speak online. They have to be shut down. Yet the experts who were raising questions are from the top schools, have the top backgrounds. Shut them down in coordination with the government. So the same people that say that you can't call a man a man or a woman a woman The same people who can't say that only women can get pregnant and deliver babies. The same people who will not describe biologically what a woman is, or a man is for that matter. The same people who insist on pronouns are the same people who pretend to be experts when it comes to energy. Energy. It's called ideology. And Joe Biden is out there pushing an ideology. He's never been put to the test. He's never been seriously questioned. Everything he says is a platitude that's been written for him. And it must be nice every time there's a natural disaster to say, see, that proves my point. That proves my point. That this is an existential threat. And that therefore... We need to embrace the radical Marxist agenda, destroy what is. And of course, if we had embraced it and had it applied to the state of Florida the way it does California, there'd be more people in dire straits in Florida because they're electric cars. Where would they go? They're electric stoves. They're electric air conditioning. They're electric everything. What would they do? Let me try it this way. Can you name five of the greatest, greatest experts on so-called climate change? Who are they? Who's the greatest expert? Where are they hiding them? We have so many useless Sunday shows, so many useless shows, period, I don't need to hear from George Stephanopoulos and all the rest of the reprobates. Who are the top experts? Real, substantive, scientific, meteorological, climatologist experts on climate change. What are their names? Of course you can't name them. You can't name them. Well, why aren't they brought to us? 
every time there's a catastrophic event to explain to us how this is linked to climate change. Why don't they show us who they are so we can find out where these geniuses are? Is there an Einstein out there? Are they hiding Einstein? I don't know. Who is it? It's just sort of, uh, it's just sort of nebulous, you know, just kind of, just kind of ambiguous. How, uh, it's climate change, and so we hear from the loudest politicians, TV hosts, and their ilk. But where are the great experts? Seriously, where are they? Who are they? What are their names? What are their backgrounds? Can we see their science? Can we analyze it? Can we look at it? No. No. But we're going to change the whole world based on this. And why not? All it is is a power move. Democrats are for it, so the media are for it. I'm quite serious. Who are the experts? Don't give me the United Nations. We know they lied and cheated. That's a history there that can't be, uh, can't be denied. So who are they? NASA? We know that schmuck that headed it over at NASA, what a kook he is. That's why they won't present them to us. Because they're flesh and blood, and most of them are full of crap. Now, I've got at least 20 experts I can point to who say this is nonsense. Or school's out. Or there are other reasons. In fact, I've got hundreds I can point to. They're in liberty and tyranny, but I can still point to hundreds today. Who are their experts? Joe Biden? John Kerry? 